Hello, and welcome to In the Odd, a behind-the-scenes look at the Michigan State University Department of Theater's productions and special projects. I am your host, Abby Taikaki. MSU's Department of Theater strives to train future practitioners of the performing arts to challenge and redefine traditional theater as an artistic response to an ever-changing world. This podcast serves to amplify the work being done to fulfill that mission. Today, I am joined by four members of our recently graduated MFA acting cohort, and I'm going to let them all introduce themselves, starting with Sharon. Hi, I'm Sharon Combs. I'm Dara Donaher. I'm Abby Cathcart. And I am Eloy Gomez. Welcome all of you to In the Odd. Um, and you are here today to discuss a project that you, um, you you launched, completely devised, totally produced, and put out into the world all this past year during a pandemic, and it is called Untold Stories. So Sharon, as producer of the project, would you like to just sort of give us an overview of what this project is and how it came to be? Yeah, as MFA actors, we're always asked to participate in productions in some way, right? Usually as actors, specifically because we're MFA in acting. And this was a unique semester in which, you know, all bets were off. This was last semester and we were mid-COVID and productions weren't going to be as normal. And we were given a lot more freedom. And so they asked us, well, what do you want to do? And many of us want to stretch different muscles, directing and for me, producing and things of that nature. And so we took the opportunity to try something a little different and create our own production. Um, and how that came about was through a lot of discussion and um, and just going through a few different ideas because we all had so many different ones. We kind of settled on the living newspaper as something that we could all work on and collaborate with together. And when um, Stephen, our chair, said, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. Then we all said, oh, now what? <laughs> How do we do this? Let's start from the ground up. And so we had several meetings about, you know, essentially devising our own process as well, doing this over Zoom. And then um, we got a creative team together, which we had help with, um, the department as far as casting and all of those things, students that were interested in different projects, and then um, devised a production schedule, basically. Do you want to talk about how we came – like, why did we do Living Newspaper? Yeah. What was the start of that? So that was an idea – I have always personally wanted to do a living newspaper. It's something that, you know, when I learned about federal theater projects, um, living newspaper from the 1930s, it was so fascinating to me. And many universities still create projects similar to this. And I thought, well, what would, it, what would that mean now? Um, and especially as we were talking about so many different ideas that we were interested in and issues, and, and we wanted to do something that was more meaningful and not just your average Zoom play right? We wanted something a little bit different. It seemed to fit in that the sense that we'd have a lot of artistic creativity that we could just do whatever we wanted with the project and still explore some issues that were really, really important to us and actually say something with the project. So I would bet money in Vegas that most of the people listening to this have never heard of the Federal Theater Project. Could you elaborate on what that was? Yes. So this was back in the 1930s um, when um, economic times were pretty hard, the Depression and, and all of that business. And um, Federal Theater Project was a government-mandated arts funding program started by Hallie Flanagan. Um, the Living Newspaper was one um, particularly successful aspect of that project. 
product, although it was controversial at times. It took uh, newspapers and current issues and the people behind the project really felt like everyone in the nation wasn't necessarily getting the real story through their newspaper, that many details were being left out and they might think things were going a little bit better than they actually were. Um, and so the big thing was just getting more information out to a wider scope of people through art. So they would do extensive research on the various issues that they would pick, such as poverty, for example, or voting rights or anything of that nature and any social issue of the time and months and months of research and then develop these plays around all of that research. I love and find it so interesting that that was an issue in the 30s, whereas it's the same cry that everyone has today, except it's even broader in that we have all of this access through the internet to all of this journalism. Some of it's real journalism and yeah. some of it's just people talking. And so they have access to it. They can get the real stories. And yet we still feel that way so often that the news outlets are not telling the full story and that's still an issue in 2021. So I can see why you grabbed onto that as a concept during this time. Very clever. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Spot on. <laughs> okay. So uh, you landed on that as a concept. And then how did you all begin the process? I can start to answer that one. So I think uh, it was very interesting because we had, as directors, we had some um, ideas or some pieces of news that we wanted to explore that we thought like, oh, this can be interesting to explore. But we wanted to make sure that since it's a device piece, that we uh, that all the cast and everyone involved was had like had a voice. Basically, it's not it's supposed to be a collaborative effort, not so much like an uh, auteur piece, if that makes sense. We asked uh, everyone involved to bring um, three headlines or two headlines to our first rehearsals. Um, we asked as well to try to see if they could find headlines or pieces of news that uh, looked at similar issues from different perspectives. Um, we also had times when we asked ourselves, okay, where are we getting our media from? Is it, are we getting our news from social media or are we getting them from um, a news, an actual newspaper or like television? Where do we consume our pieces of news? Um, so out of that huge pool of articles that we had, there, were, there was a lot of them, um, we started uh, basically filtering. We started saying, okay, who is uh, passionate about each of these uh, issues or about each of these um, um, headlines or uh, news headlines. And then just seeing which ones moved us the most, which ones uh, we felt were more important to tell um, as a whole uh, group, as a whole ensemble. Those were the ones that we ended up filtering and leaning towards for our main projects. Um, we also had uh, left room as well within the, within, within the newspaper. We left sections for everyone involved to explore all their stories individually if they still wanted to create a project around them or to create small groups. So we we as at the same while filtering or while deciding which ones were the main ones we wanted to tackle, we also allowed for a lot of flexibility within that. The projects that we picked were based on headlines. I think that specifically, like we were saying, untold stories that people weren't really speaking out enough about. I was pretty flabbergasted is a word I could use um, when watching the presidential debates and looking later at social media and reading some news um, about there being no 
interpreter for those that cannot hear or are hard of hearing um, or part of the deaf community. And there's no interpreter for them during those debates. So quite honestly, they could not be part of that political process. So I knew I wanted to do something that to me was a headline that was not being explored at all. They're not only untold stories in that they're not getting enough uh, attention, but they're also untold stories of people who exist on the margin and who people who traditionally um, have not had voices, uh, people who don't have, they don't, you know, many of them don't even speak English. Um, So I had heard about the medical malpractice that was happening in Georgia for um, ICE detainees. uh, And I, it just struck me as kind of horrifying and like an otherworldly sort of sense. Like I was like, is this, I can't believe this is happening. And then, and then what came beyond that was like, I can't believe it's happening and I can't believe how little anyone's talking about it. That, that really struck me as, as a story that was absolutely untold and probably intentionally remaining untold. Uh, and and then we, and then I leaned into like the horror genre because that's something that's already a genre I'm really interested in. But I wanted to, um, I wanted to highlight um, how how horrifying this actually is, um, and and to kind of uh, dramatize and uh, make the uh, we wanted to make the the horror uh, almost uh, larger than life so that it could give a, a clearer sense of of what these people who don't have voices are experiencing. The one that I we went with in my group, uh, it was uh, it's called Three Women, and it, uh, it the whole idea came from uh, watching all these news about um, uh, feminicides in Mexico and how all the news outlets almost looked at it from a foreign perspective, being like, oh, that's something that happens there and it doesn't happen here. Um, and of course, there's differences in the context, but I was very shocked by that statement because um, I violence against women is something that happens very like every day every hour within the u.s so i was flipping the coin on flipping the view on that was uh important to me it was something that i think we needed to bring awareness back to because suddenly it was being framed as a foreign concept that was not applicable in in this country and i think that story needed to be retold or that we could not let uh some of those um like those women like we could not let them in the dark, like have them be completely hidden from the mainstream. So that's where uh, Three Women comes from. It was such an interesting thing to me because usually living newspapers are focusing on one big topic and they might, you know, take some subtopics that relate to the big topic. But working with the students, we wanted them to have um, input as well and, and this be a real collaborative project between all of the individuals. And there wasn't a consensus on one topic. Everyone was so passionate about so many different um, issues going on in society, which I think is reflective of the amount of information and news or what we think might be news, we're not sure sometimes, <laughs> that is consistently thrown in our face, which is kind of how the idea of making this website where there's a lot of different topics being explored and it's to kind of create your own journey in a way it kind of came from because we were exploring so many issues and we almost couldn't settle on one because we couldn't decide what was more important. Nothing was more important than another, if that makes any sense. Um, we, we had a lot on our minds. The really great part about this project was how collaborative it was 
And even though we are the four people talking right now, and we have one other director, Kevin Craig, um, who was part of it, I love that our pieces were really like so collaboratively devised and really a lot of the control was taken by the undergrads to create these stories um, and help us figure out what they looked like and felt like. Um, I think there were pieces that had been thought about and that we wanted to definitely make sure was seen and heard. Um, but for my piece specifically, it was completely uh, silent and choreographed. And I had a an alum, Courtney Way, who helped with um, being able to interpret the words I wanted to say in sign language. And the two actors in the piece, Wesley and Sydney, basically choreographed it and I kind of put it together. So what was really exciting about that was that they had as much control as I did. I was just there as the director to kind of give it a focus um, and put it, like I said, all together. So, and then a lot of these extra pieces that we did within the newspaper. So we have like the four headlines, but then we have a lot of, you know, the lifestyle section or the different sections. And those were really, really written by the undergrads. So it was really exciting to see all of their creative efforts and what they wanted to talk about and what they were passionate about really come to the forefront. And and they really helped shape what this was. They were incredible. Incredible. Yeah, that was the thing that really um, uh, struck me and like uh, pointed, you know, is very surprising to me was just that like, I was expecting that we were going to have to uh, work pretty hard to um, create some, you know, get get them to buy into the whole process or get them to um, just buy into creating a show on Zoom. Um, really, I mean, I feel like that's that's kind of been every educators, especially in theater, um, struggle the entirety of the pandemic. And so there's really no difference when creating, um, when creating theater, um, over zoom, but I, and then we're like, okay. And then we're devising it on top of that. So like, what, what kind of buy-in are we kind of, what kind of enthusiasm are we kind of going to have to fire up in, um, these undergrads? And it turns out very little because they were already there. Um, they, they were just like, yes. Okay. Um, we like started talking about it and they're like, yes, I had this idea, this idea, this idea. And, um, that was for my piece. Uh, the the text of the piece is entirely from uh, it's from the whistleblower account, so it's direct uh, quotes directly pulled from the whistleblower account of the medical uh, misconduct. And but for the images, we all we collaborated on that. And then in the columns, um, we would uh, we would sometimes write the column pieces together, like on a on a shared Google doc that we could all see and edit together. Sometimes we would take breaks and, or take breaks from like being together and we would go off separately and we would write by ourselves for like 10 minutes. Cause that worked for some people's, um, creative process. And then, uh, sometimes we, yeah. And sometimes we would just do a little bit of each or, or just kind of switch things around. But I, it was, I mean, they, they, had an, a huge amount of uh, agency and they they took a lot of initiative in this. And that was, that was really exciting to see. Here's my next question. So there's news, which people see as sort of like just news. It's facts. Here's the story. There's theater, which, you know, the general public views as entertainment. How do you 
obviously it's a proven concept from the 1930s, but how do you walk the line between news and entertainment and telling these stories? And then obviously this also rises to the level of art as activism and just were there any discussions or struggles or triumphs around sort of navigating those different components to this devised theater as opposed to like Annie or something? (laughs) (laughs) Although there, I just went and picked a musical set in the thirties, right? (laughs) That is really easily tied back into this. So I just, I guess, proved my own point. (laughs) We are establishing an emotional bridge with that piece of news or that piece of information. So it just feels very natural. It feels like a very natural connection. And for me personally, uh, it has proved once once more the point that theater doesn't exist in a void and the theater is always whether we want it to be or not it's always a reaction to the time where it's happening so much as we can try to not make a point or not make a statement about what the context is when we are putting a show um i think they are just linked and they will always be linked we also are very aware of just the performative nature of the news in general. So even saying, I heard this news story because of TikTok, which is like a performance-based platform, um, people are still consuming news on TikTok. Even the performative nature of what our news is, is what we based our project off of. Yeah. And I, I remember some conversations around the fact that we were going to be saying something, Mm -hmm. right? We were going to be making a statement um, and that they were going to be less ambiguous in their nature because we didn't Mm -hmm. feel like it was a time um, to be ambiguous in what we were saying. (laughs) And so um, in that sense, that's where the sort of activism um, quotient comes in, in the sense that this isn't just here's a little story, you decide what the meaning is. Mm-hmm. We, we we definitely had a point of view yeah. <laughs> in a lot of these stories. So um, I definitely see where that sort of, we're, we're bringing in another element to it mm-hmm. as well. And that was something we discussed is what are we, what mm-hmm. do we want to say with each piece? Um, and I think that was something that was a little bit more yeah. pointed and different with our piece, which is actually kind of in line with Living Newspaper as well. I th- don't think they were very ambiguous right. many times in what they were saying. I wonder how this, how the initial stages of this project would have happened um, if we had done this pre-TikTok. In our early workshops with everyone um, in the first few days, this is when we were just trying to like, we were brainstorming, we were trying to uh, kind of flex our muscles in content creation um, in these like really short segments that are like 15 to 60 seconds long. Social media was just such a natural, mm-hmm. easy entry point for for the uh, our cast members. And I, I mean, I know like from just chatting with the other directors, I actually downloaded TikTok <laughs> to be able to understand what the castmates are talking about. (laughs) And, um, and then I saw it and then now I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Um, But, uh, but it really like, they just, it, 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 that was just a language that our castmates spoke very fluently and much more fluently than I do. And, um, and so when it came to content creation, they were like, yes, like we're, we, we have so many ideas because we're like, we're, we're already doing this. Um, and so the the line between uh, expression and artistic expression and um, 
and uh, activism um, or or just spreading information, uh, it has been definitely uh, bridged, I think, through social media. Uh, and that was that was very much evident in like the early stages for us. Obviously, this was not what any of you were hoping for or expecting going into your final year of your MFA program. What could you talk a little bit about sort of riding the wave of of disappointment versus uh, opportunities for these completely devised works and and what were sort of what was the outcome of it all? Where did you all land? Oh, that's a great question that I'm still personally formulating the answer <laughs> <know>. to. <laughs> um, it was really wild, you know, doing this project. For me, it just, I stretched, you know, different muscles that I wasn't sure that I had, mostly in leadership, which I generally avoid, um, <laughs> but also want to do in my life and career. And so, um, so for me, the effects were really empowering in the sense that we can take something that is really, really challenging, a time that's really challenging. We can still make art during it. We can still have excellent discussions. We can be slightly in pain in the process <laughs> because there's an element of growth to it. Um, but that we're coming out on the other side in a little bit better place. Um, and for me going forward, I'm so much more interested in just doing my own work and devising my own projects and things of that nature. Cause I think as an artist, I, I don't know. I, I want to do something that says something real that isn't just for monetary gain, even though that is a huge concern as well for my life <laughs> going forward. And I think that this pandemic is kind of teaching us all that we just can't sit on the sidelines, that we need to be really active in our society and in the arts in general and how art affects society. So we were talking about this this whole project and um, Sharon was pitching this idea and we're just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And so I'm already starting to like uh, have ideas about like devising or uh, approaches in my head, but all of them obviously because... I don't, I've never worked in a virtual theatrical space before. Um, all of them were about, they were in person um, in my head. And then so constantly having to reel that back in um, led me to a place of like a little bit of disappointment. Cause I was just like, oh, kind of expecting that there's going to be, it's going to be impossible to accomplish exactly what we wanted or envisaged. And then, and then coming back and realizing that, uh, that this is a different form of, uh, of entertainment and of collaboration was pretty exciting. We can we can absolutely do this and do it fully and not feel like anything's being like only done halfway or not being completed um, simply because we're we're online. I think that's so. Abby, you made me think of just our program in general um, here at MSU for the grads um, has a huge focus in education, in being educators and being artist educators. And so this project and this year, I mean, the big word is pivot, right? So we all had to pivot, but it taught, <laughs> it's there. And, uh, and so we did, but the great thing was as educators, we wanted to help students understand that that their art wasn't going away, that we were going to find a way as educators to make sure that they could continue to do their art as well as we could continue to do our art, but that their voices were still valuable and their voices were still going to be heard, even if it wasn't on a stage, but it was through a, a Zoom lens. I would agree with that. And I would, I would add on as well that empowering students to create their own content in that new like intermedia um, 
uh, world where now it's no longer just like stage or film. There's all these range of things in between. Um, I think it's really important and also showing them that um, it is accessible and that it is perhaps uh, in a way more democratic than uh, a pure stage performance is because all the logistics are out. You don't need to find a way to get yourself to a theater. You don't need to have uh, the money to pay a ticket per se, or you don't need to have all these resources. We don't know what the world looks like after they graduate or after we graduate. So knowing that that uncertainty is still in there, um, I think telling them that they can tell their own stories, uh, regardless of the medium, is a really important thing. Sharon, tell everybody where they can go to see this work. Just visit um, untoldstoriesmsu.com. Which, let's all give props to Sharon for building a website, yeah. <laughs> which That's is also good. probably not something. I should have probably noted that that was one area of extreme growth for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have never made a full-blown website before. Especially <laughs> triumph, big triumph. It was a big, tri- it was a big, big triumph. triumph. It's a it website. is a gorgeous website. You did a yeah, wonderful job. You. And yeah, a, a devise an entire theatrical piece and then build a website for it. It's a major feat and something you should be very proud of. Thank you. And we should also say that we did have student editors as well for those main oh, projects. Films, we did have... Yes. So yeah, for those, we also did have um, editors. Yay, so thank you to them editors. as and well. Also, shout out to Courtney Way for yeah, her Courtney ASL Go. consulting mm-hmm. on this project as well. She jumped in, sure um, in into the process, even though she wasn't originally involved and has gone away to grad school and is doing yeah. so many other things. So thank you, Courtney. Big team effort. Congratulations. And thank you for being with me today. Thank, yeah, thank you so much for talking yeah. to us. Thank you to the MSU College of Arts and Letters and Department of Theatre Chairperson Stephen Benedetto for supporting this project. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect official entities of Michigan State University. This has been In the Odd, a Michigan State University College of Arts and Letters podcast. You can access every episode of In the Odd at theater.msu.edu forward slash AUD. We'll be back soon with another behind-the-scenes look into what happens at 542 Auditorium Road in East Lansing, Michigan on Until then, wear a mask, wash your hands, stay six feet apart, and go green. Go Go white!